It's been said by Deborah Tannen that communication and dialogue is a dance, not a boxing match. What does that mean, you might be asking? Well, in order to get what you want in business or in life, you have to be a great negotiator. Let's do this. Welcome back. Episode 29 of the ROI podcast is here and... Boy, 29 episodes, Phil. It's really hard to believe we've got that many under our belt, isn't it? 29 episodes. Amazing. We've come a long way. What I love about this episode is, to go even further, it's all about win-win outcomes. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about something that I think is really important, and that's negotiation and communication in general and how we use it in our lives. I mean, think about it. When you're a kid, you're negotiating with your parents for that you know, new toy to stay out past your curfew, whatever it may be. And of course, at work, you negotiate a higher salary or an idea that you may have pitched. Even things we don't think about, Phil, like negotiating where you, know, you and your spouse will have dinner this coming Friday night. We do this often and sometimes subconsciously. You know, Shane, it's so easy to think that when there's a difference of opinion, that you have to have one winner and one loser. That is such the wrong way to approach negotiation. Negotiation is like what I said earlier. It's about a win-win outcome, where both of us can figure out an outcome that improves where we both are. In, In today's dynamic business and professional world, you cannot predict outcomes. Uh, You can't even predict relationships uh, at all times. But if you master process, if you understand how to play the game of negotiation, then that process skill set emboldens you to realize that you'll find the answer. You just heard from Stephen Hayford, professor of business law at the Kelly School of Business. Stephen is an international expert in negotiation and conflict resolution. Those who don't understand process when they find themselves in conflict or negotiating a contract or solving a problem tend to focus on arguments about who's right and who's wrong. And they tend to focus on overuse and over-reliance on power. Now, power and merit, the merit of ideas are both very important aspects of negotiated decision-making. But when one recognizes and understands the importance of process, you have a playbook that you can consistently use. Of course, you adapt it to your personality and your style and to the issues at play. Some conflicts involve mostly allocating scarce resources like money. Can I add one thing here to what Stephen is saying? Sometimes we get in trouble or we do a bad job with negotiating or we we don't get as much out of it because we hurry up the process. We're not patient enough to try to learn more about the other person. To try and that to was Tatiana Kolovu, senior lecturer at the Kelly School of Business. Tatiana is a world-renowned expert in communication and personal persuasion. If we try to hurry it up and think that it's a, in, a transaction like putting gas in your car at the gas station, you're not going to be able to be successful. So what Stephen teaches is all of those signs and signals and sort of being, having faith in, in the fact that this process exists and you have to walk the path. I'm going to pause there for a second. Let's talk about this process, which Stephen talks about, and it's so important. 
What is the process, Phil, and where do you start? So Shane, Stephen and Tatiana say it starts before the negotiating ever begins. If I am dealing with you as a supplier and you are my customer, and I know that you have three viable alternatives to working with me, that's part of diagnosis, that's gonna make a big difference in the way I present myself to you contrasted with the circumstance where I know that I am your only alternative. I'm, there is no what we call BATNA, best alternative to a negotiated agreement. If I know that you are an impatient negotiator, I understand from the beginning, or if I learned that early on in our conversation, I understand that I'm going to have to slow you down and show you the benefit of methodical approaches as opposed to just shooting from the hip. My experience has taught me that mindfulness, being alert, being patient, diagnosing the circumstance before I begin to act always pays off. And from a communication standpoint... Well, first, you have to exude confidence. And I'm not talking about the overconfidence, sort of the aggressive, I'm going to take you down type of confidence, but a sense of, of calm and a sense of collectiveness that people have when you see them. You think this person has their act together. It goes from how you sit at the table, how you make eye contact, and how you, you lean and listen, or you mirror the body language of the person you're interacting with. And, and if you are to be patient and calm, your body has to speak that as well. Even from a body language, I'm, I'm reading a lot on power cues and, and in general use of gestures. You want to be able to communicate that confidence, but you again want to read your audience. So Shane, that's step one of this negotiation process. The next step, step two, is starting the conversation and building some level of trust with the people with whom you're talking. Focusing on process, I think the first substantive step is to bifurcate the issues at play into what we call distributive issues, those that involve these resource allocation, zero-sum, fixed-sum kind of decision-making, like cost, time, available technology, perhaps, and separating those from, or at least delineating them from the what we call the integrative issues, where the party's goals are not in conflict, where it's not a zero-sum game, where it's a variable, variable-sum game, where we can create value. In that first distributive side, those issues are all about claiming value, and that's an important part of negotiation. If I'm a, a supplier, I want to maximize the price I achieve for my product or my service, but at the same time, it's important that we move the process toward the value creation side, which is integrative bargaining, and we create value by identifying our mutual non-conflicting goals and the interest that underpin those goals for each of us, and then we focus the process on serving those interests. As we said earlier, at this point, listening and paraphrasing and clarifying is important so that you show that you have invested interest in being there with your counterpart in the negotiation. That again is an opportunity to build rapport. How you do that uh, is probably more with nonverbals than with verbals. Uh, you, want, you want to even 
you know, nod and make strong and good eye contact. You want to show that uh, depending on, on the situation or where you are, uh, that, that you're pacing with the person that you're negotiating, negotiating with. So if the person seems to, to talk a little faster or seems to um, want to, want to uh, decide or, or speak to one specific topic, that you're mirroring some of that. You don't completely follow your style of communication, that you, you dance with them, if you may say, so that you can be more in that equilibrium that Stephen was talking about. That doesn't mean that you're not direct and that you're not precise in your wording. Uh, as a good communicator, we recommend you pick your topic, you pick your theme, and you keep going back to that. So we've got the trust being built. We've began to use our nonverbals to move the conversation forward. Next, we have to look for the nonverbals the other person is giving us to let us know whether we can move forward and push the conversation even further toward an outcome, again, that's going to be a win-win for both of us. The head nodding, the eye contact, the open body language, all of that kind of tells me that I can move forward. If the person starts shuffling their papers, or if you start looking at your watch, uh, or you're distracted by what's going on behind you, that just doesn't give the signal that you have the patience to move forward to the next step with the person that you're working with. Or if you're taking notes, I always say, ask permission or tell the person, so I may retain this a little more. I just want to make sure I have everything down. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll take some notes. You shouldn't assume that, that uh, you should do that without uh, signaling to it. But as I'm sure we have all experienced, we're human, we make mistakes. So we asked Tatiana and Stephen, what are some common mistakes they see in negotiations and how can we anticipate them and correct them if we're making them? And Phil, I think that's really important because oftentimes negotiating, it can be kind of a nerve-wracking process for some individuals. And so I think sometimes we get nervous and we try to push the conversation along or force it in a certain direction. And Stephen Tatiana gives some great advice here. Well, I think uh, inadequate preparation is one of the big ones that I see. I think failure to manage the expectations of one's constituency before you get to the table so as to define what a truly acceptable outcome is, being able to distinguish between what you want and what you need. I want to quote the, the author Deborah Tannen that talks about communication and dialogue is a dance and it's not a boxing match. If you go into it thinking you're going to shoot, they're going to shoot, you're going to play offense and defense, offense and defense all the time. It's a back and forth. You can't be a good listener because you're just waiting for them to slip so that you can get your point across. So to wrap this up, when you are heading into a situation that requires negotiation, prepare, know the process and the agenda that you want to accomplish, but also be flexible. Because as Tatiana said, negotiation is a dance not a boxing match. And Phil, as I said earlier, the whole negotiation process can be uncomfortable at first, but I think it's like anything. You have to know what that process is. You have to know your goals. And I think at the end of the day, it, it does require some practice. And that's something I think we've really picked up from Steven and Tatiana is we now have the tools. We know how to frame the process when we're going into a negotiation. Now it's a matter of taking action and just 
practicing these methods. And Shane, I think the bottom line is negotiation is both a science and an art. It also requires a mindset that if there's a difference of opinion, a difference of perspective, it's actually an opportunity for a win for both parties. And that's going to do it for this episode of the ROI Podcast. We do want to thank Kelly Professors Tatiana and Stephen for sharing their expertise on negotiation and conflict management. And Phil, they have a course coming up where they're going to be teaching the business community some of these methods. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. In the spring of this year, the Kelly School is going to be offering a series of short courses on the IUPUI campus through uh, Kelly Executive Education. And Tatiana and Stephen will offer a one-day course in communication and negotiation. So I encourage all of our listeners to check our website on that. Really good session to come to. Yeah, and we'll be sure to post more information about that here within the podcast once it becomes available. And also, we want to remind everybody to not forget to subscribe to the ROI podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any sort of idea on what kind of subject you want covered on the podcast, just be sure to reach out to us and we would love to hear from you. Other than that, we'll be back right here next week on the ROI podcast. Have a good week, everybody.